0: Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh.
1: Leave and cleave. Let's get into that. Before we jump into today's episode, we just wanted to share a few things with you. First, we'd like you to like this episode and then subscribe to our podcast. If you're doing that on YouTube, also hit the bell notification so that you know when we post anything new and then share this with somebody that you feel like would be this would be beneficial for.
0: That's right. If you would like to support our show further, uh, we would welcome that. You are welcome to do that at anchor.fm slash marriage by design to check out your options for supporting the program financially. Otherwise, guys, the links to our social media are always in the description of every video, so feel free to check those out there. And now, let's get to the show.
1: Hey, I'm Andrea Warnock. I'm Nathan Warnock. And you've joined us for Marriage Monday on the Marriage by Design podcast. And this is a time where we get to talk to you guys about God's design for marriage, what the Bible has to say about that, and then sometimes some practical things about how we live that out.
0: That's right. So one of the primary things we do here on Marriage Monday is just go through the parts of the bible that talk about marriage and discuss marriage. how the marriage and discuss how those apply to our marriages now i mean the, we believe that the word of god is the inspired word of god it was relevant 2000 years ago it's relevant now old testament new testament the entirety of scripture matters for our lives and so as a result of that if we want to have an understanding of what marriage is designed to be We should go to the source to sort that out. So that's what we're doing uh, starting in season three, which is the season you're listening to uh, of Marriage by Design on Marriage Mondays is we're just trying to go through the Bible and take a look at what the Bible says about marriage. So this is our third week. So we are still in Genesis, although we have made it all the way to the end of chapter two. of genesis uh to verse 24 and again it says therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh so kind of the way that we go about these episodes is uh andrea will share a little bit about her thoughts on it i know she has Uh, a number of thoughts about this verse. It's an important one with with regards to marriage. And uh, I'll share a little bit of kind of context and some of my my thoughts. And then we kind of talk together about practically what does this matter for our our marriage. So contextually, we talked last week about God uh, creating uh, man, woman for man. Um, And we talked about uh, well, we I guess you weren't there for that one. So I talked about uh, what it well, means right. that God created Eve as a helper. Um, and I explained all of the ways that I hold Andrea down so that she does the <laughs> things that I tell her to do. So you can go back and check out that episode. Um, and if you believe that, you should probably stop listening to this podcast. Uh, but what we're going to talk about this week contextually is we're talking about pre-fall here. So, the, the fall of man hasn't happened. It won't happen until the next chapter in chapter 3. So, assuming this is chronological, and we don't have any reason based on the text to think that it isn't, uh, then God's creation of marriage is pre-fall of man. The church was created post-fall of man. The uh, family unit, from every indication we see from scripture was created post fall of man, as far as like kids and raising kids and, and all of those verses all happen after the fall. Um, But there's one institution that's created pre fall explicitly in the text, and that's the institution of marriage. So for us and thinking about it, we can recognize that marriage is designed to be a good thing. Good meaning perfect, right? God created you know light and dark and he created all the different things and he looked down and said this is good because it was created before we allowed sin into the world and so it was created just according to his design and marriage was one of those things and this is really the verse where we see the creation of marriage god's lulled adam to sleep he took a rib he created eve adam wakes up he goes whoa and then god says okay now here's what's going to happen You'll leave your father and your mother, which had to have been a kind of an odd thing for them. I don't know what conversations God had had with uh, Adam previously, but you wonder if Adam was like, "Okay, uh-huh. first question: What's a father?" But I don't know. Uh, maybe God had d- explained all of those things. I mean, obviously God maybe would have had- understand those things via the fact that God describes Himself as the Father. So you know, maybe the maybe there was already some conversation about that. Point is that. Um, this is where God creates it. it. says, you'll leave your father and your mother and be joined to your wife, and the two of you will become one flesh. Um, and you said it in the opening, but we kind of refer to that as...
1: Leave and cleave. Leave
0: and cleave. So explain that and give us some of your thoughts on that passage.
1: Yeah, leave. The leave part is you're leaving the authority of your parents, and you're cleaving, or... which really if you look up cleave in the dictionary it means the opposite of what the bible means here cleave in the dictionary means like to split apart right right? but in this instance it means to hold fast to to uh to uh be adhered to joined to glued to this is an old english it's an
0: old english Thing. um but but it actually if, if you read it in like the old king james it will say uh shall leave his father and mother and be, be cleaved joined. unto his wife
1: mm-hmm. some some versions say to be joined to right. whatever anyway right. that's what it means right. so we see we see in scripture of course I should have it in front of me but I don't um not in genesis but that We are to honor our father our father and mother. Yeah.
0: It's one of the big ten.
1: Right. But but it's in more than just the Ten Commandments. That's right. It's weaved throughout scripture that we are to honor our father and mother. So um I was actually just talking to somebody recently about about this whole concept. So when we're married, that that honoring our father and mother does not end you know there's not a conditional statement on that to honor your father and mother right but the authority side of that changes so for for yeah men and women who are married you're no longer under your parents authority when you're married and maybe that has happened earlier than when you became married but but um Honoring your father and mother doesn't mean that you're always going to do what they tell you to do, especially when you're married.
0: Yeah, and I would even go as far as to say, even when you're 12 and you're under their roof, you still answer first and foremost to the Lord. Right. Right, so if your kids are asking, if if your parents are asking you to smoke dope with them or something that you know is wrong because it's illegal then you actually have a higher responsibility than their authority to not obey them. So sometimes we confuse. Sometimes we say uh, that, the, that the commandment says obey your mother mm-hmm. and father. That's right. not what it says. Right. It says, honor. honor your father and mother.
1: Right. And there are things when we're under their authority, under their roof, that we should be doing that, um, you know, maybe we shouldn't be, that ends when you are married you know okay. if your parents i don't know um i'm trying to think of the some examples i've heard of over the years anyway there is a difference yeah between what we maybe think the obey and the honor so leaving leaving the the authority of your parents and having this understanding that i'm under the authority if you're a, a woman i'm under the authority of god who's and then my husband who's and as a husband i'm now under the authority not of my parents, but of the Lord, and I'm and I'm the covering of my wife. is a big is a big mind shift, right. and w- we've dealt with um, people over the years, like guys who have a, a really hard time uh, leaving. Uh, yeah, cutting the apron strings, right? Isn't that right. the leaving that kind of mother-son relationship and it's and,
0: typically boys with mothers and typically girls with fathers. Right.
1: Like we've seen a mother who's really disrespecting this man's wife and the and the man doesn't want to get in the middle of it to kind of tell his mom, "Hey, you're in the wrong." And, or
0: worse, he defends his mom or to he his defends wife, his mom, who's hurt. right?
1: Yep. And he doesn't he doesn't be, uh he doesn't kind of protect his wife. Right. And that's this weird, because he hasn't understood the shift of leave your father and mother and be joined to your wife. You have to, you're you've left that authority. You're not to do whatever your mom says to do. Right. Right. Um, You have to protect this woman that God has given you. And that may look like saying to your mom, Hey, what you're doing is not right. And if you continue to do this, I love you, but I can't have a relationship with you if, if you're going to attack my wife or, or whatever. So, that... And for for women... Um,
0: oh, can we yeah. talk about the mom thing for a minute? Because it's going to be a really tricky thing because it doesn't... There are certainly examples where mom and wife just don't get along. And, and you know, you, you as the husband or your husband gets caught in the middle of that. Um, and he should be getting your back, and if he's not, I'm sorry, he's not. If you're not and you're watching this as a husband, your wife's got to be a higher priority than your mom. Right. Um, but oftentimes it's not that cut and dry. It's a mom who's ill, or and I don't even necessarily mean like has cancer. I mean a mom who is mentally ill, mm. um, that deals with anxiety, deals with being a hoarder, deals with, you know name any of the things you know but perhaps single moms there's a lot of guys that have single moms and their hearts rightfully and i think as christian men their hearts rightfully go out to their mom who's living a life that that she shouldn't be forced to live as far as having you know being without her husband or whatever and so you want to help and that's great but you have to to come back to what is marriage right i mean if, if that's the way you want to be, then you probably need to fess that up before your wife is your wife, right? When she's your girlfriend or fiancé, you probably need to say, hey, my mom needs to be my priority for the next few years because of X, Y, or Z. The problem is guys don't want to do that because, of course, the girl would go, um, maybe. no. Maybe, maybe not. No. Right, right. But you should at least love her enough to raise that issue right and and let her weigh in on that but the problem is when we don't say that and we have an expectation that well my wife will understand that mm-hmm. my mom needs me um and the, the reality of the matter is she will be understanding but uh she's the the relationship as defined by the lord is that she's your priority um so you leave your mom and hold fast to your wife and we'll talk about the, the becoming one flesh thing here in a minute but that's got to be a priority. And okay. if you screw that up, it's it's going to throw your marriage into chaos. Yeah. Because it's a disordered relationship. You've now put your mom in a higher priority than your wife. And your wife's not going to stand for it, nor should she. So that's on the Guys. the boy-mama side.
1: Yeah, and typically for girls what we see, and of course this, it's not always always one way, always the other. But anyway, typically for girls what we see is... They're taking too much of their parents' mm, input in their marriage. So, oh, you should do things this way or uh, going to their parents for advice when they should be going to the husband for advice first. Um, You're kind of... No, no. No,
0: I have a different take on this, so I'm I'm just listening. We didn't talk about these beforehand. We kind of digest these verses separately and then... Turn and on then the mics just go. and go. So I have a little bit different yes, take on this. Right. But I'm, I'm so, following you.
1: Um well yeah, at least so what they we've, get advice so, from their parents. Well, yeah, and, at least what we've seen is allowing their parents to be too involved in the inside of their marriage. Yeah. As far as how the you know, what you should be doing or sure. um too much yeah. Yeah. Too much involvement no, in the I, intricacies I, of your marriage and fair. maybe Using your parents as sort of mentors when that that's too sticky. You shouldn't to, ha- to use your parents as marriage mentors is it, it really muddies the waters. Um, and so and we typically see that the wife is you know airing her maybe her husband's dirty laundry to her parents and using them as a sounding board and and all that sort of thing. And really, that has to be cut off. Once you're married with your parents, because that 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 relationship, as hard as it is to say, needs to be left behind. Yeah, um, where that they're not your confidant in everything, and they shouldn't be your confidant in the deep parts of your marriage. Right, because they need to be. It's my opinion that Nathan's parents and my parents, yes, they hear they ha- occasionally hear like some difficulties that we're going through, but it's pretty surface level. Um, and it's my opinion that they really need to hear. They, they should not be involved in the difficulties of our marriage and they shouldn't know the things that we're struggling with on a deep level. Um, there are some things that we're okay with each other sharing with parents, but they're not our go-to because I want my parents to think the best of Nathan and I want Nathan's parents to think the best of me, hmm. and how you do that is you make the other person look really great in front of your parents. Right, right.
0: Which and is easy for you because I am really great.: He
1: is. I he really, so. truly is. Um, <laughs> Stop. But that leaving that, that relationship for girls, maybe it's with your mom or, or your dad or whatever, but right. leaving that real deep emotional relationship of, um, about your marriage behind. You know, and maybe you had, maybe you had that relationship when you were dating or when you were engaged or whatever, and that's fine. But when it comes to marriage, it's different. So, kind of leaving that, leaving the authority of your parents as far as helping you in making like big life decisions, um, that all goes to your husband now.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good.
1: Um, You've got something else. Yeah. So, so,
0: so, the way that I took this is is can be more insidious um, because oftentimes you're as a girl, your dad may not even know this is going on.
1: Oh, I know exactly what you're Um, talking about,
0: but there's almost nothing more devastating for your husband than being compared to your dad. Um, And look, and we've done, we've done family Friday episodes about this. God's design was that our little girls and boys, but little girls especially look up to their dads for a sense of security, as well as for a picture of who of who God is here on earth. It's why the the epidemic of dads who are deadbeats is so damaging to uh, young women, particularly in the United States, because now their their picture as a child of God. And of security is the complete opposite. Yeah, And they grow up having to bear that burden, you know, on their back. Well, here's the problem. Deep down, your husband probably knows that he's not. But he wants to think that the most important, the most talented, the most striking, the most sexy, the most... Uh, I'm trying to think of of other words. The most adequate guy you've ever known in your life is him, mm. and it's not even close. Yeah, it's big for us as guys from a rest- from a respect standpoint. It's kind of that honoring your your husband, and we see that in uh, Corinthians. We also see that in Ephesians about you know uh, wives respect your husbands, and so when you're comparing your husband to typically your dad or it could be an uncle or I mean it could be any number of people from your family life but when you're comparing your husband to those people particularly if you're vocalizing those things Mm -hmm. it can be just devastating to your intimacy with your husband and and you pointed this out and I thought it was really good that can even just take the form of hey every time my car breaks down I've called My dad, my two brothers, and my grandpa to see if they can fix it before I even let my husband know that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you, in in your mind, might be going, "Well, I just he works hard, and I just wanted to have this fixed," you know, before it was even a thing. But he may be interpreting that as. Well, okay, she thinks I'm not any good at cars, so she has to call her dad and her brothers and you know, are they in their homes right now thinking, "Oh my gosh, she married a guy that doesn't even know anything about cars." And you know, so we you can kind of we can kind of let our imaginations run away with us too, and it can really damage the intimacy in the marriage.
1: Yeah, and for women, I would I didn't even know cuz this has happened in our marriage. I didn't even know that I was comparing nathan to like my dad or that i even had those expectations before we got married they were just expectations that i had without thinking about them yeah like i expected nathan was going to be the fix-it guy in our house because my dad was the fix-it guy right my dad's
0: and he's awesome at it
1: amazing right at all that stuff and just figuring it out you know
0: right and i'm i am too you hit it with a hammer and I then did. It so does, let's move on now. If it doesn't work, <laughs> you hit it again with oh, the hammer. Did. Oh,
1: I thought you were saying that. okay. Yes, Nathan is amazing at it, and he fixes everything. Right. So anyway, before we got married, I I never even thought of the ways right. that I was sure, sure of you of know. the expectations that sure. I had of Nathan. Right. Like that, right. you know. Right. But um, I wish I had. I wish I had really thought about those things and chosen to yeah leave behind what was and not have those expectations of the amazing things about my dad and the way he what he is as a you know man of the house and a husband and all those sorts of things and putting those on Nathan and instead realizing like grateful for those things for my of my dad um and Nathan's his own person right you know so right um yeah, it's a really great point that you bring Thanks, babe. about that.
0: Thanks. Uh, one last thing, and then I want to I want to have some time to talk about the um, coming together as one flesh piece. But um, for Christian couples in particular, man, we we sit down with an awful lot of couples where there's a lot of injury because the wife is pushing him to be the spiritual leader that her dad was, mm. or the spiritual leader that you know whatever. You know, sometimes, ladies, you you have to remember that you didn't know your dad when he was becoming the spiritual leader that he ended up being. And praise the Lord that he was that spiritual leader in your life, if that's the situation that you're in. But you need to recognize that your husband is going to have to mature and the Holy Spirit's going to have to grow him up and he's going to need to be discipled and those things take time. So unless you're trying to marry someone who is your dad's age, then we have to recognize that there is some maturity that needs to go on there. Now, guys, you got to get on with it, right? I mean, we can't we can't just do the male isolation thing forever and expect that we're going to be the spiritual leader that she needs us to be. We need to get involved in. community a small group get involved in a church get your family involved in a church be transparent with other men in that church um and you know let's allow the holy spirit you know those opportunities to mold us into the man he wants us to be but uh women you gotta you gotta give him time because it can be really damaging to be comparing your husband to someone that you know was 10 or 15 or 20 years older than your husband is um and had that extra time to mature in that area Mm -hmm. so one, one extra thought there. That was great. Okay, babe. So t- talk to me about becoming one flesh. And I'm, pr- I'm not going to make the joke, but you all, if you've followed our podcast for very long, you know I'm thinking it. So well, go ahead. I'm not thinking that. <laughs> no, of course not. That's why I wasn't going to make the joke. So 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 talk about the – why is this one flesh thing important? And we talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago, but but maybe re- revisit the the male and female piece, and then, but then also just talk about – why is this important? How do we screw it up?
1: Well, what we talked about a couple of, a couple of weeks ago is that marriage is a picture of God's desired relationship with his bride the church us as his, as his church right believers. Right. So marriage is that picture a, a joining of of male and female, a joining of Christ with uh, us as believers. Um, and the two becoming one flesh, I mean, means a lot more than sex, right? It, it certainly means, it means sex, of course. And that's the, uh, that's the the physical physical side of it. Right. But it's in every other way too. We're, we're to be one flesh in body, mind, and spirit you know, in all ways. And that's a lifelong process. So, of course, we're two people. and our But our lives should be committed to to continuing to grow in being one. It's good. And that's kind of the beautiful part about marriage is that when we're, the day that we were married, maybe that was like a really good one-flesh day as far as we were jiving and, and our hearts were both, kind of in tune with each other and all that sort of thing. (laughs) And and some days we're not, we're not walking on that one flesh path, like getting better at that.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, um, but we have opportunity for the rest of our lives to learn better how to become one flesh more and more as we grow older. And I think that's the beautiful thing of commitment um, in marriage and saying, I am one with you. I cannot separate from you because how can I rip a piece of paper? Like, you can't rip a piece of paper into two. Right. I don't mean... Yeah, like
0: length, like the whole ways. Yeah.
1: I mean, like you take one piece of paper and you make it the exact same thing, replica, you know. How can you do that? Well, you can't. And that should be the perspective of your marriage. I can't become my own person because that was never the design. And so... I'm joined to you for the rest of my life. And we have this journey of a life, a lifelong process of becoming one. That's right. Um, and that works some days and some days it doesn't, but I have, but because we're committed, we choose to then tomorrow keep working on that even more.
0: Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, and again, to go back to, god's point here is you can't (laughs) un-one um and you know it's why we've talked about this on this program quite a bit it's why we don't ever on this program justify divorce because marriage is a spiritual thing that we do whether we intend it to or not intend it to that's what we do um you know it's kind of one of those things where this is something god created from the beginning of time like gravity So you can tell me you don't believe in gravity, but if you jump off my roof, gravity doesn't care if you believe in it or don't believe in it. In the same way, this this is what marriage is. It is a spiritual act. Whether you intend it to be or not intend it to be, it is. And so when you have become one, Jesus will reinforce this in Matthew, and we'll talk about it when we get there, Matthew 19. He sort of confusingly asks, well, we'll have, don't you know what it said from the beginning? Right? The two shall become one flesh. Sort of asking, well, how do you un-one? Mm. Um, that's why if he's cheated on you or she's cheated on you, should you get divorced? No. Right. If you don't love each other like you used to, should you get a divorce? No. Right. If he's or she is being abusive should you get a divorce now here's a caveat to this the answer is no but you should not leave yourself or your kids in a situation where they're being physically harmed you absolutely need to get yourself and your kids out of that situation immediately and and get you and your and your children protected and get the police involved and maybe getting the police involved and throwing his behind in jail or her behind in jail for a while is exactly what the Holy Spirit needs to get a hold of them and bring them humbly to their knees so that there can be restoration in your marriage. But you can email me all the sorts of different, you know, situations. The answer's no, because God designed marriage to be a becoming of one.
1: Yeah. And a picture of, to go back to the picture, this is really, it's really hard maybe to hear this for people who are in a tough spot, but if marriage is to be a picture of God's relationship with his bride, does he ever stop pursuing, does he ever stop holding out hope for reconciliation or for the lost to become saved? Never. So when I, um, back in 2012, when Nathan was in that affair and I was really struggling with, should I leave? Should I stay with a lot of things? What do I do? I ended up coming to a point where I realized it doesn't matter how long Nathan chooses to run from what's right. I will always hold out, hold out, hope, sorry, till the day I die that he'll come back. And if he chooses not to, that's not my deal.
0: Mm.
1: Right? But I want to be, I want to honor the Lord and I want to honor my marriage. Um... And I and I will trust that I have I I will trust that there's always hope if we're both still alive. Um, so, for people listening that may be saying that's not that's not fair, or this is so far gone, or whatever. Maybe it is, and maybe maybe your marriage will never be reconciled um, to what it should be, but as long as there's breath in your lungs, there's hope. Right. And the Lord, our marriage is supposed to be a picture of his relationship with the church, and he'll never stop pursuing us, and he'll never, you know, uh, he'll never leave us, or forsake us, and and so I, I had committed to Um, Choosing to never leave. So I, and I, I think, yeah, I get how hard that is, but I think if we can better understand that before we get married, maybe there would be (laughs) less marriages. I don't know. I I, I think it's definitely something I didn't understand fully before I got married. That whole, like, this is it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens. This is it. If we had a better understanding of that, I think we'd be, you know, a lot more careful who we marry. I
0: agree. I agree. Thanks for sharing that, babe. I know that's hard. Okay. Anything else, sweetie, about that verse? No. Okay. Oh, Uh
1: sorry. I did have one thing. Um, If you're a parent, especially a parent of kids who are getting older and maybe getting to be that marriage age or your kids are married, think about this from that perspective not just not just the perspective of oh mm, my marriage but the perspective of your kids marriage how can you help your kids leave and cleave right. how can you help them cut off that dependent relationship that you know yeah how can you cut off the kind of parental relationship with your kids and help them join with their spouse and help them understand the importance of that and um you know I I there's a lot of times that I think about that for my own kids and how right. that's got to be hard for sure but it's so important and um to be a parent who chooses that and chooses you know to to maybe tell them like you've got to go to your husband about that or you've got to go to your wife about that or you I don't you can't talk to me about that it's hard, but you're doing your, your kids a great favor in doing that. Yeah, that's good.
0: It's good, babe. It's good. All right. Okay, that's great it. guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate you being here. Um, I really appreciate being, getting the opportunity to just go through the word of God and talk about what he says about marriage. Um, so hopefully you've taken away something from today that you can talk about with your spouse, implement into your marriage. Uh, just so appreciate you guys being a part of the program Uh, You make marriage by design what it is. So thanks for being here. Guys, until next time, remember, God is for your marriage. Have a great week.